The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to bless you and worship you and praise you for who you are. We thank you that you are indeed good in all of your ways. We thank you for your amazing love, your compassion and your grace, which covers our lives from moment to moment, from day to day. We thank you, Lord, that you are good to us even when we have forgotten about you, even when we've ignored you, even if we don't think you are good, you keep on being good to us. And we want to praise you for that. Lord, in your goodness this morning, open our hearts to you. Open our eyes to you. Open our understanding before you. Help us, Lord, to reach out to what you are saying to us as individuals and help us to respond to it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Over the last uh, three weeks, and this makes the fourth week, we've been looking at this sermon series, which is called God's Way. I just looked up there to remind myself what it was about. Um, It's called God's Way, and today we'll be coming to the close of that. I want to bring that to a finale. And in many senses, I think that today is really what I've been working towards, because I've been seeking to lay a foundation in our understanding so that we understand what God's way is, We understand that God's will is his way. God's will is his way. What God wills is what he wants us to do. So those two are very much linked. We often say, I want to be in God's will. Well, you just need to do what God is asking you to do. You need to walk in his way. And that way you will know what God's will is and you will be walking in God's will. God's way is the best possible way for you to live your life. It's the way that you can get the best out of life. Whether you're young or whether you're old, rich or poor, it doesn't make any difference. Whatever social class you come from, whatever color your skin may be, God's way is the best way. He is the one who has created you and he knows what is right for us and that's the way that he has established for us. In this course, we've been looking at Adam and Eve because right, if we go right back to the beginning and in the beginnings, we see what disrupts the way of God. What can cause problems in that way? And so by looking at Adam and Eve, we come to the very foundation and we understand what can go wrong. And we see that things did go wrong because they are the first example of two human beings ignoring the way of God. The way of God was laid out before them. You can do whatever you like. You can enjoy all of this garden, all of the good things that I have for you. You can enjoy me. You can enjoy life. But don't do this. Don't eat from that tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from that tree. And everything was great when they walked in the way that God had established. Everything was enjoyable. Life was good in all of those ways. But there then came a day When through deception, through a snake, Satan was speaking through this animal to Eve and she was deceived. And because of her action of falling and eating the fruit from the tree that God had said don't eat from and giving it to her husband Adam to eat as well, they fell into sin. And disastrous results came from that situation. 
In fact, it's quite clear for us to say the essence, the very essence of every problem that we have, that the world throws at us or what we experience in life today comes as a result of that situation. So we can see the importance of living according to God's way. We can see that this isn't just an empty statement, oh, Christians seek to live God's way. What we're seeking to do is we're seeking to live the way that human beings are supposed to live. We're seeking to live in a way where we get the most from life, where God guides us in the best way that is possible for each one of us. Now, because of the actions of Adam and Eve, we now know what good and evil is. And unfortunately, we now seem to have a bias towards doing what is evil. There's something that has come within us. And it's not only that, we also have a real desire to be independent. I will do what I want to do, thank you very much. I'll live life my way, thank you very much. That independence is also a result of the corruption that came through that disobedience towards God. And rather than being reliant upon God, we become reliant upon ourselves. I think I can manage, it's okay, I'll do this, don't worry about that. There's an individuality, a selfishness that comes within us that we start to do things our way. And that's not what God intended for us. Look, the bottom line is simply this. When we disobey, when we disregard his way, then we are really overlooking that which has been declared as holy, that which is absolutely pure and right. We are ignoring his ways and we're falling into sin. And this is just exactly what James tells us in his gospel. In James 4, not his gospel, in his letter. James 4 verse 17, he said this, Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. So it, you can sort of think, like, well, what is sin? Well, remember this. It is a sin to know what you ought to do, but then not do it, to ignore it. And it's really good for us to understand the sadness of the sin that came in that garden right at the beginning and the grip that it has on mankind. But it's not only that sin that we see in the midst of this story, what is also unveiled to us, and I have found very encouraging for myself as I've been looking through that over these last few weeks, is to see what God is like. To see how merciful, how gracious, how loving, how kind he is. We've been singing this morning, God is so good. We've been underlining that and stating that over and over again because it is a truth. It's true. God is good and he is for us. And we see that in the garden. Adam and Eve fall into sin. If it had been me, I would have thrown them out immediately. Get out of my presence, that's it. You're no more, you're done away with. You're removed, just as he did with Satan. He threw him out of heaven instantaneously. But with Adam and Eve, God loves them. That's the foundation. God loves them. And so what do you see? You see God hanging around, God pursuing them, God calling out for them, God looking for them. They were hiding because of the shame and the fear that had come upon them because they now knew what good and evil was. They were hiding away, but God was pursuing them. God is pursuing you. God is looking out for you. Every one of us. God is for us, not against us. He is the lover of our souls. He is the lifter of our heads. He wants to lift us up, not have us bowed down, not coming under the things of this world, but he wants to strengthen us and to encourage us. That is what he is like. You know what also I've seen? 
is that God wants to protect us. The whole thing in the garden was God was looking out for mankind. And he's looking out for us today. He's looking out for us. He said to them, don't eat from that tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Satan said to Eve, of course you can eat from the tree. No, 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 we're not supposed to eat from that one. You see, there's a reason why God says that. He's holding out on you. Because if you eat of that tree, then you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Wow. You can imagine, wait, God's holding out on me? What? God's not giving me everything? I'll be like him? That's what rises up within us as sinful people that still rises up within us. I want that. I want to receive these things. God's holding out. Is he really good? That question is going through our minds. Yet from God's perspective, he's saying, I don't want you to know good and evil. You know what good is. And in the garden until that point, they jolly well knew what good is. They had good all the time. We don't know what that's like. We have not experienced that. We have never experienced good followed by good, followed by good, followed by good, followed by good all of the time, every day. We don't know what that's like. Praise God when we get to heaven. What a glory it will be on that day because we are walking from the knowledge of good and evil into goodness, followed by goodness, followed by goodness. There is no crying. There is no sickness. Not in heaven because there is the presence of God and he is good all the time. So God was trying to keep them from the knowledge of that, but they wanted, having heard what Satan said, hey, this could be good. And see what happens as soon as they eat of that fruit, the knowledge, the understanding. It's not just like, oh, I think I know what good and evil is. It's the sense of they know, they experience what it is. And suddenly Adam and Eve now experience what evil is. Beforehand they didn't know. Who thinks it's an advantage that we understand what evil is? It's not. Everything that we don't like comes from evil. Everything that we don't want is evil. All the experiences that we go through that hurt, that shame us, that confuse us and, and, and make us feel less than we were, those things are evil and they, they take us down. It's not a benefit for knowing what good and evil is. And God wanted to keep them away from that and he wants to keep us away from it now. That's why we have a voice in our minds. When you're beginning to think about something, oh, perhaps I'll do that, and that voice comes, no, 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 don't do that. The voice of the Holy Spirit, it's the same in the garden as it is here. He is trying to keep us away from knowing those things. Now, all of those things that I've said have laid as a foundation. I'm sure by now that we all have an understanding of the way of God and of not walking in the way of God. The way of God is that we are fulfilling the will of God, what he says is what we're doing and we're walking in that way. That's the foundation that I've been leading up to. Now let me bring this scripture to you this morning. Matthew 28, 18 to 20, which is familiar to us all. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, Jesus says, I am with you to the very end of the age. 
And when we come and look at this command and we hear what God is saying, this is the way, this is the way that I want you to walk in. And we know that as these commands come, we want to obey these commands. So here's the question, what is the difference between this command and the command given to Adam and Eve in the garden? We know what God wants us to do. We know that we're commanded to go and make disciples. So what is the difference between this and what he said to Adam of just not eating that tree? There's no difference. It's still a command. And we know what God's commands are good and that they need to be obeyed. We can understand that. But my aim this morning is not to point out to us really what we already know. The truth is we do know that. We do understand what God has called us to do. We know that Jesus has called us to go and to make disciples. But my aim this morning is not to point out what we already know, but to rather talk about a way that we can walk in so that we can fulfill what we have been told to do. And in that way, we can start to make sure that we're in the right place. Jesus wants us to go and to make disciples. We're not just called to go and see people saved. We're called to go and make disciples. Someone who is saved is someone who has understood that they were living a life in a way that God did not want them to live and they want to make a change. Somebody who has acknowledged that the way they have been going is wrong and they are repenting of that way. They're turning away from that way and now this is someone who is taking hold of what the cross offers to us, the forgiveness for those wrongs. And they want to make a new start and to walk in the ways of God. That's what someone who is saved is. A disciple is the same as that person. Exactly the same as that person. But however, there's something extra that they're doing. They're going a little bit further. They're not just saved, but now they are saved and they're actively seeking to see other people receive the same salvation that they themselves have received. They're seeking to tell others about the good news that is there through Jesus Christ. They're seeking to tell them about the power of the cross. And they're seeking to help these people come to salvation. But not just to come to salvation. They're seeking to train them so that they also can now go and reach their friends with the same news that has been taught to them. It becomes a sort of cycle. That as we get saved, so we're training other people that they may learn about salvation so that they may do what we've just done. They go and tell others and bring them into salvation so that the whole world might be saved. Why? Because there is a God who is good, who is wanting to bring to mankind an escape from knowing what evil is, from experiencing what evil is, and to come into the relationship with him that they may bring others out of darkness, out of the bondage that evil brings upon our lives, into the freedom that is found in Jesus Christ. And every one of us who has come to the knowledge of Jesus and has become to that place of salvation already knows the goodness of God and what he has brought us into. We have been called to go and make disciples as that verse in Matthew, which we're familiar with, has told us. Now, that's okay. We know all about that. I know all about that. Where's the problem that we're talking about? The problem is that we know it, we believe it, we desire to do it. But the activity of doing it seems difficult. In fact, difficult isn't the word. It's not really difficult. It's just that 
I will do that if somebody comes to me to ask. Then, then that's when I'll, I'll be ready for that. And so for myself, I'm in a position of saying, like, anybody wants to know about Jesus, they come and talk to me, I will talk to them about Jesus. And that's a joyful experience and pleasant. But you see, that isn't what Jesus told me to do. He told me to go. He told me to go. Well, when should I go? <laughs> I'm not sure, Jesus, I'll go when you tell me. And we keep coming around in this circle of like, I will go when you've told me. And Jesus is saying, I've already told you. And so there's this sort of like tension between Jesus and us about doing that. And so we're, okay, well, we'll do it whenever. If, it, uh, if the opportunity arises, I'll do it. And then somebody says like, let's go and do it now. No, 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 no not right now, because I've got all these things planned. I've got myself sorted. You know, I can, I can fit in something like next week. Next week, are you free next week? No, you can't do next week. Okay, well, what about next month? And so, and so it goes on. And look, we're all in the same boat. Let's not pretend that any of us is different from this. And, and let's have hands up about who's, who's concerned and worried and scared and, and, and don't really want to do it. My hand will go up first. So we're not, what we need to do is talk about it. We need to break open the fear that is within us. And something is going to happen, and you heard about it in the church. There's this thing called the turning, which is coming to Bromley, which we are going to be involved in. In fact, the whole of London is going to be involved in, because the turning, which is an evangelistic outreach, is coming across the London boroughs. 26 of the 33 London boroughs are actually signed up to be involved. And in the borough of Bromley, which we're trying to spearhead this work of bringing the turning, that is an opportunity for us to share our faith. During a week of mission in September, the 21st of September to the 29th of September, we as a church will be involved in that with at least 37 other churches in the borough of Bromley. There's going to be six churches within the center of Bromley that are involved in that, in taking the good news of Jesus to people. How do I feel about that? Well, I feel excited and terrified. That's the truth. That's the truth. Because I can go out there and I think, like, who, who shall I speak to? Let's take that person. And I go and speak to that person. And they say, no, no, I'm not really interested. And I think, oh, no, Jesus, you've let me down. I don't know what to do. And I feel an idiot. We've got to get over all of that stuff. Why? Because there's power in the name of Jesus. And that power isn't just to speak it so that I'm telling you what you already know. That power is to experience it in your life so that you know the transformation that Jesus is alive and he is here to help me. And I need to convince myself of that as we all do. And there's only one way I can do it. By doing it. That's the only way. So the battle that I face within myself, the battle which you are thinking about, because you're thinking, like, well, actually, if Jonathan's facing this battle, that's good. But we're hiding behind that because we think, oh, I'm facing that battle too. That's exactly how I feel. What am I going to say? Who am I going to speak to? What's going to happen? This is going to happen. The kingdom of darkness is going to be plundered and people are going to be transformed from the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. 
who gave his life so that we may be redeemed from the curse of the law, that we may be redeemed from every form of wickedness that we have ever walked in and that we can bring that transforming power into the lives of other people so they can be set free and they can join us in the mission of going out. Do you know one thing? When we look at the life of Jesus and we see what he did in the Gospels, we see that he took hold of a bunch of, well, just a bunch of nobodies, really. A bunch of people from all across the different sectors of society. There's Peter, there's James, there's John. There's all of these disciples. But there's one thing that Jesus did, which I'm not blaming him for or not looking at my life in the lack of, but he mentored them. He said, guys, come with me. This is what we're going to do. What are we going to do? Well, you just watch me and I'm going to do it. And then after you've watched me do it, then you're going to do it. And what did Jesus do? He walked around and he was healing everybody. He was laying his hands on all sorts of people. You got a sickness, my brother? Well, I'm going to pray for you in the name of Jesus. Well, he didn't say in the name of Jesus. He just said, I'm doing it. <laughs> and he was doing it. And then he tells them, guys, have a go. What? You have a go. But they'd seen him doing it. You haven't really seen me going out on the streets. Why? Because I haven't really been going. So how can you lead from my example when I haven't been doing it? And you know what I'm learning is this example, you know, if you take the example of the church, what does the church do across the world? We come and we worship the Lord. We come and we gather together. And there is real necessity for us to do this because we need to identify ourselves as the people of God and we need to encourage each other as the people of God and we need to worship God because as we worship him, the spirit of God is drawn and the presence of God affects our lives. But that's not what it's only all about because he has told us to go. And so what we're doing is we're living our lives doing almost all of what he's asked. But you see, in the garden, they did nearly almost all that he was asked. But when they ate from the tree, that wasn't what he asked. And when we don't go and make disciples, that wasn't what he asked. And the same result comes. When we know what is right to do, but we do not do it, that causes us to fall into sin. And we don't want to walk in sin. We don't want to walk in the ways that are wrong. We don't want to walk in the ways that actually offend God. We want to walk in the ways that please him. Now, as sons and daughters of him, we do please him, but he's eyeing this, please, will you? Please, will you go? And I know if I was to stop and actually talk to one or two of you, how do you feel about going? Well, actually, the answers I'm expecting are from, I really don't want to, thank you very much. Okay? And there's almost an anger and a feeling of frustration and a feeling of, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. What are they going to bite my head off? And all of those things come up. There's only one way through fear. You have to face your fear. Now, a while ago, uh, John Ingle and I, John Ingle is the pastor of Cornerstone Church. Now, don't quote any of this because he and I are friends and we're going to remain friends. But you can talk to him and he will tell you the truth. We were talking about this and we had a conversation, much of what I've had a conversation with you about, which is facing our fears, both of us felt afraid. So that's two pastors leading two churches in the center of Bromley and we identified as brothers in this situation. So we thought, okay, we're going to do it. We're going to go out. So we went out on the high street. And John was thinking, Jonathan's far better at this than me. And I'm thinking, I know that John's far better at this than me. <laughs> and so we thought, oh, 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 oh. 
And he, hey, eloquence here transforms to mumble. And John spoke to a guy, first of all, and, you know, not much of a conversation was had, but we had a little bit of a conversation. And so then I would speak to a person, and, and you've just got to have boldness. And it's something that we don't operate in because we don't live with it. You know, if you do something often enough, you begin to become an expert at it. The cornhole challenge, you, I'm not going to let too many secrets out there, but Jacob is one to watch. That's all I can say. The cornhole challenge is about throwing a beanbag across a distance into a hole in a piece of wood. That's it. It's not about eating hot dogs or not about eating corn or feeding chickens or anything like that. It's just a game of throwing a beanbag into a hole. But the more you practice, the better you're going to become. The more you practice, you're going to think like, at first you think, I'm going to look like an idiot if I don't get it in the hole. And I'm not answering that. But the more you practice, you might be like, ooh, I can do it. And the more you practice, the more you practice, the more experts you become. Hello? Jesus said, would you please go and make disciples? I'm not asking you to make converts. That's not enough. I don't want you to stop just saying, will you please accept Jesus and pray with somebody? That's not enough. I want you to be prepared to give your life to helping people come out of darkness just as you have. And within the church, just how you have helped one another. I want you to do that for others. You've come to know Jesus. You've taken a step forward. There have been times when the journey's been like this. There have been times when the journey's been like that. There have been times when the journey's gone down. There have been times on your journey, but on that journey you are walking from glory into glory. You are being transformed more and more into his likeness. Are we complete? No. When I look at my life, I'm not complete. I have a way to go. Sure, I've learned a lot and I've read the Bible now a few times. So I know a few scriptures. Yes, that's part of the journey that I've been on, part of the journey that you are on. But we can lead other people on this journey. What we do in church, like ours and generally in church, is we declare knowledge, wisdom and understanding. And you know what? To be honest, every one of you, or at least the ones that I know in here, there's several who are professors because we have so much knowledge. There are many who are of a very high standard in the knowledge we have. There are few who are of a high standard of how many souls have we reached, how many people have we brought through into the kingdom of God, how many people are we walking with. See, what happens at Curry Union is people come and they are Christians, they're sharing with non-Christians. So these are people who have a need and we're meeting that need of food and we're, we're speaking to them and encouraging them, but we're saying the reason that we're doing this is because Jesus has loved us and we want to love you too. They don't necessarily get saved, but they're being shown something of what God is like. But there is a discipleship in that. We're being shown what God is like and we can show other people this is what God is like. Now, let me talk to you a little bit more about the turning. The turning started in Reading, in a Baptist church called The Gate in Reading. What they said was, the pastor said, look, we're going to need to have a week of mission. We're going to have a week of mission, everybody. Take time off work. Come on to the mission. We need to do just the sort of thing I'm talking about. We need to go out. And so they organized this system where they were going to go out, and they were going to go out for one hour each day, 
and they were going to share the gospel, and they did. And the pastor encouraged people, trained people, and they went out, and they started sharing their faith. And within the space of a few days, they started to see many people saved. In fact, in the space of the 10 days of mission that they had, they saw 750 people accept Jesus Christ on the streets. Now, in fact, the numbers were so great within the first couple of days, the pastor nearly said, right, stop, something's wrong. He, he literally, he said, he went before God and said, something's wrong here. We must be saying something wrong. And then he realized God was helping them. And that's simply the thing about the turning. God just seems to be blessing this. Can I say, is the turning the best evangelistic outreach that there is across the world? Probably not. No. Are the words they're using any different from the words that we would know? No. So what's so special about the turning? Well, nothing special about it, except A, it enables us to go out and share our faith, and B, God seems to be blessing the work of the turning because they're sharing it with other nations and other areas, and it's been up and down the country, it's been in Wales, it's been in Scotland, and it's coming to London now, as I say, it has been in Sussex. Many people have been saved. Now, because people get saved, were we called just to make people saved? No. Now, 750, and I haven't got the numbers, but I know a far lesser number than that actually gave themselves to being discipled. So if we're looking at numbers, yes, there are people who respond and people who come through. But what have we been called to do? We have been called to give the gospel to people, to pray with people on the streets, to introduce them to Jesus, and then to follow them up to see if they would like to know more about Jesus. And one of the things, because I've talked to Yinka and the guys of the turning many times, one of the things I've learned from them, and they have learned, and they are sharing with others, is that that process, which is a key process in helping people move along from just a moment of, yeah, yeah, I would like to know more about God. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes. Some people are really saying, yes, I would like to know more about God, and they are ready to be shown more about God. Others say, yes, I do know, want to know about God, but then something seems to come and snatch that life away from them, and they say, no, I don't want to know anymore. But one of the things they're learning is that Christians, they're far too nice people. You know, would you like to know more about Jesus? Somebody says, well, actually, yes. A, the Christians, what? <laughs> They're shocked. We've got to get over our own shock factor and deal with people. But then someone says, I'd like to know more about Jesus. But then Christians are so, well, I'll ring you up. Okay, so they ring them up and say, no, you, we prayed for you on the street. You'd like to know more about Jesus. I said, oh, sorry, I can't talk right now. I can't talk right now. Okay, so you sort of make a second phone call. And you make a second phone call at the sort of time the person you think is going to be suitable for them. And you make the second phone call. And they say, no, I haven't got time now. Put the phone down. They put the phone down. And because we're so polite and nice, they don't want to know anymore. But that's not what they said. You just don't know how to interact with their world. You've got no idea of what's going on in their world. You've got no idea of what the concerns and things they're dealing with in their world. You didn't know that such and such had happened in their life or they were very busy. They weren't necessarily putting you off or Jesus off. They just didn't have that point of connection with your world and their world. And what they have said is we as Christians need to learn this. We need to learn to be bold and to pursue. And they pursue until somebody says, please, will you not ring me anymore? But unless somebody is saying, please don't ring me, they pursue them. Well, isn't that like a double-glazing salesman? Yeah, but we're selling something far better, far better than double-glazing. Double-glazing does not last for eternity. But the gift 
that has been given to me is so precious and God is so good and he is so merciful and he is so loving and he is so watching out for my life that I'd only go towards the good and don't keep going towards the evil. He is pursuing me with righteousness day after day. But you know what? I need to be convinced of that. And often in my life, I've lost sight of that. And as Christians, because we're not putting into practice those things, we lose sight of the fact of what God has done for us. It is as we go that God can release his anointing through us and his gifting to us. You wanna, you've read about the gifts of the Spirit? You want to see them in operation? Go and do the work that God has called you to, and he will go with you to testify to who he is because he does not change. And he wants to show you things that you've never seen before. But you know what? There is a sacrifice. And it's the sacrifice of us facing our fear. It's the sacrifice of us pressing through. It's the sacrifice of making ourselves available. It's the sacrifice of laying our own lives down and being prepared to serve him and his purposes, to put him first. Now, how do you feel about that? Well, the answer I'm getting is traumatized. (laughs) But don't be traumatized. Be excited. Because I say the turning is coming to Bromley. Transform Bromley Borough have been involved, which I'm involved with, have been involved with trying to bring this to the borough of Bromley. In the borough of Bromley, we've got five hubs. And a hub is a collection of churches who are going to come together to do this. We've got five hubs. Those out in... Annerley and Penge and Beckenham, whether it be Chislehurst, Bromley Common, and uh, Petswood, Hayes, West Wickham, all these different places, Orpington, St. Mary Cray, and of course Bromley Central and Burnt Ash Lane. We're coming together, and we're in that hub, the hub of Bromley Central and Burnt Ash Lane. So Brook Lane Community Church, Bromley Christian Centre, Cornerstone Christian Centre, Amazing Grace Church, Bromley Baptist Church, us, Bromley Town Church, we're going to be coming together. What does it look like? I said it starts from the 21st of September, which is a Saturday, through to the 29th of September, which is a Sunday. The 21st of September, actually, there is a conference, a training time in London. And Bill Johnson is coming to that and he will be preaching and stuff. So that's like a training time. And that's the time and it's a ticketed event. It costs you £30 to go to. That's a training time. But it's not the only time that you can get training. We are going to be doing training here, and there'll be training on the morning. What does it actually look like to go out? To go out, you need to do two things. It starts in the evening with a time of worship and prayer. So on the Sunday evening, the 22nd, there will be a gathering of all those churches in our hub coming together, and we should be having a time of worship and prayer for about an hour, hour and a half. The reason is we're going before God and we're saying, God, we actually don't do this very often. Well, this is not the prayers that we're going to let everybody else hear, but this is what I should be praying. God, I don't do this very often. I'm actually feeling quite nervous about tomorrow. In fact, actually, I'd rather like just to stay in bed tomorrow, but I realize that as I'm the pastor, I ought to be out there doing it. So please, will you give me strength tonight? And will you speak into my heart tonight the courage that I need to go out tomorrow morning? So that night is part of the session. That night is the sign of coming before God and saying, God, we need you. And then the next day, we'll come probably to uh, the church here, 
about, I don't know, 10 o'clock in the morning. We'll have a time of training of what we've got to do going out on the streets. And then we'll go out on the streets for one hour only. That period of facing your fear lasts one hour. Okay, that's all it lasts. But let's be honest, that hour is quite long enough for anybody with fear. But in the name of Jesus, perfect love casts out fear. What we have to do is to pray earnestly the previous night, Lord, show me so much of your love that this fear is broken in my life. That this curse of me holding back is broken and that authority in your name and love in you flows from my heart. So then we come out, we go out on the streets for an hour, we come back, we just share, how did it go, all that sort of stuff. That's the session. So then that evening, the Monday evening, there starts the new session for the next day because it starts with praise and worship and seeking God and then the following day, the Tuesday, will be the culmination of that when you go out on the streets. And that is happening Monday or Sunday night through to the Saturday when the last day will be going out on the streets during the Saturday. And then on the final Sunday, we're aiming to get churches across the borough to come together to give testimony of what has God been doing in your area so that we can hear and be encouraged in it. That's what the turning's about. That's what this 6th of August is a training time. We had a training time two weeks ago at Cornerstone. 45 people came, which was very encouraging. I think John and I were expecting five. So it was encouraging that 45 people came. And it was a good time of just going through this story, of talking about the same type of things, of what goes on. But in that training, and we're training you not at that time, what is it I've got to say on the streets? We're not training you about that. That is done just before you go out. So what are we training you? We're training you on how to follow people up. And there's material, like a little workbook going through, the sort of thing that you've done in, in home groups, of, you know, whatever we call them, life groups, those sorts of things, all that stuff you've done, whatever. I'm only, only part of the church. I don't understand every department. It's not true. What things that you've done in those groups where we've gone through a book, where we've, we've filled in names, where we've, we've helped understand things for ourselves, is a booklet like that. But the follow-up is this, is that when we go on, the, let me tell you the story. We go out on the streets, so we're out on the streets and we meet somebody and, wow, God moves and they say, yes, I'd like to receive Jesus. So we pray for them on the streets. We have our mobile phone, which has got an app, which is from the turning, which is get, collect all the information. So we take their details. Because obviously it's important that they can put their details into our phone so that we overcome all the problems there are with GDPR. Did we persuade anybody? Didn't they want to? They give you their details. Those details go through a cent to a central base for Bromley. And those details, then we have the names of the people. And if you didn't know the person and you don't think, okay, I'm going to follow that person up, because you might have been a friend of yours, you say, I'd like to follow that person up, you'd put down that you want to follow them up. So that would be known in advance. Otherwise, there's a list of names. Now, there's a list of names. Now, those people need to be followed up. What job do we have? We've got to make ourselves ready to follow people up. We've got to be prepared. Well, I don't know whether I like them. I don't know who they are. Well, obviously, it's going to be men following up men and ladies following up ladies and things like that. What have you got to do? You've got to say, well, the idea is we meet them in a coffee shop. So are you prepared to make an arrangement to meet a stranger? A stranger, from this point of view, they have already said that they have an interest in knowing more about Jesus. So it's not a stranger, complete stranger. It's somebody who has an interest and you as a person are now fulfilling the calling that is upon your life 
that you have been told to go and make disciples? Are you prepared to give yourself... Sorry about the time, guys. Um, you can come up if you want. Um, I'm enjoying myself, so I didn't notice that even. You've got the opportunity to go and meet somebody and share with them in this booklet and talk to them and help to lead them and the knowledge of Jesus. Now, if you want to know more, come to a training session. And you're probably saying, how can I be involved? You can be involved by being involved, okay? And if you want to be involved, it means this. You need to go to training so that you know how to disciple somebody. You need to come on an evening so that you can enjoy the praise and worship. And you need to go out on the next day so you've done the whole thing. Now, for some of you, like, well, I'm working. Okay, think about this. Think now, is it possible for you to take one day, two days, three days, the whole lot off work? Is it? I'm asking you, what is God asking you to do? Make a bold step. Come together. We as a community of people in Bromley Town Church are saying this together. It is enough that the gospel is not going out. We are going to do something together and we're going to stand beside one another and help one another. Weak knees, trembling knees, they're going to be all over the place. But God is the one who transforms hearts and empowers lives. If you don't believe me, go back now and start to read Acts of the Apostles and you will see there men who had no courage. Oh, Jesus has been crucified. What's going on? I don't know. After the day of Pentecost, Peter stands up before the crowd and says to them, listen, you need to know about Jesus. Let me tell you what's going on. And they're so struck by the words they say, what should we do? And he says, you need to repent every one of you and be baptized that you also may receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And on that day, 3,000 were swept into the kingdom. And that is the work that we're talking about doing. Now on that day, this one said, okay, fine, we'll just leave you to it. No, they had to disciple 3,000 people. And they continued steadfastly in the word of God with prayer and with fellowship and the breaking of bread together. They continued steadfastly in that. And that's the work that we have been called to do. And you know what? That work, when we do the work of God, there is a joy that just fills our hearts. Because obedience to the word is walking in God's way and it's what we have been called to. So as you hear these things about the turning, or you can talk to me or William about the turning, Kevin and uh, Clive, they know all about the turning. You can talk to us, you can find things out. We have questions, we can help one another. But the whole thing is about the mission and about us taking our stand and being involved in what God has called us to do that we may go and that we may see people being released. Father, in the name of Jesus, I stand against the spirit of fear and intimidation that comes upon our hearts even when we talk about things like this. Father, in your holy name, send your Holy Spirit upon us. Lord, grant your servants boldness that we may proclaim the greatness of your name. Demolish every lie of darkness that comes against our minds that brings confusion, doubt and fear into our hearts. Father, we declare that we are yours, bought by your special price, that son of yours, Jesus Christ. And Father, we pray that you would give us the boldness to accomplish the task that you have set before us to go and make disciples. Lord, will you work in our hearts? Will you release your anointing upon us? And will you bring glory to your name and to your kingdom by seeing many saved and discipled through our work? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.